Welcome to the Adopt Together podcast. My name is Hank Fortner, and I am your host for these stories. See, this is our first year as the Adopt Together podcast, and our entire goal is to give you the unedited truth about adoption. Stories of those who have succeeded and those who failed and those who are still trying to adopt. We interview adoptees, adoptive moms, and birth mothers, and we invite you to join us as we give you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about adoption. If you have questions or if you have a guest that you would like us to bring on, you can tweet at us at adopt with an extra T, adopt t or at Hank Fortner, at Hank Fortner, and we'll reach out to them. Also, you can find us on Instagram at, at adopt together, and I am at Hank on Instagram. If you like this podcast, we would love it if you would rate us because it helps us feel good and makes us very, very happy. Here we go. Check out this next episode. Well, here I am with uh, Kristen Howerton. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Very excited to have you. I wanted you to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then I'll dive into some of your questions and hear more of your adoption story. Sure. Well, um, I am by trade, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Although I stopped practicing uh, about five years ago, we have four kids and I just found that a little bit too much to juggle. So you had enough marriage and therapy. <laughs> I was caretaking of yeah. enough people and <laughs> right. could not care for anyone else. But your house is quiet. We're in your house. We're sitting in your yes. beautiful house that's laid out like an art gallery. <laughs> and there's no one in here. How does that? It is quiet because the children are at school. Nice. All four of them go to school. All four of them go to the same school this year, which is like, it's amazing. Yeah. One drop off, one pickup. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, great. And we're in California. We're in Orange County, California. Orange County, California. And it's warm and hot for all those listening who are like in winter storm Olympia or whoever that is. We're like watching. I have my air conditioner on. So (laughs) that's how that goes. Yeah. That's great. So you've been, you were married to their family therapist up until five years ago. Yeah. And then, um, I started a blog really, uh, I started the blog really just to detail our adoption because I was just tired of every new person being like, so what's the new news? Mm. And I just wanted a place to kind of disseminate that information. So I started blogging about what was happening with our adoption. And you have the greatest blog name. Of all time. Yes. Well, the blog name, I did that wasn't the original name. Okay. I think the original name was like the Howerton Family Blog. Oh, nice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> whatever it like, it yeah. auto-populates and is like exactly. K. Howerton 12 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was just super lame. But like a couple of years in when I started doing it more seriously, I changed the name to Rage Against the Minivan. Nice. Yeah. So good. Anytime you can throw Rage in right? along with I being know. a mom, that's it. so great. Yeah. Awesome. And it's, that's gone well. That got yeah, busy. so I I blog full time now. That's my job. Awesome. Yeah, so I blog um I blog there and I write for for Huffington Post and a couple other outlets. Cool. Yeah. And what's it like to be a blogger? What does a blogger do every day? Do you like you just yeah. sit and think? You I just think I, an article out, or do you are you like planned out months in advance and you have a whole team and there's a team of writers and you come into the room with a pen in your mouth and you're like, here's guys, what we're doing. No, it's usually like me in my pajamas on my couch. Nice. It's, it's super unglamorous. I do have, I have an assistant, um, but she's a virtual, I've, I've actually never met her. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Good. But yeah, blogging. And a I lot mean, of people who probably feel like they're best friends with you have never met you. It's <laughs> the nature of the blogosphere, that right? That could they don't, be true. Yeah. Yes, that could be true. But blogging, I mean, it's, if you blog professionally, if you, you know, do it um, to make money, it's, it's not as much about the writing and it's a lot of like contract negotiations mm. and sponsorship conversations and that's about half of it and then about half of it is actually writing. Wow. Okay. So that's partnerships and 
mm-hmm. branding and all those exactly all that sort of like necessary business stuff that's no one's favorite awesome but. and is your blog about adoption or is your blog have that as a piece to it what's the it's definitely a piece to it i mean my blog is all over the place i write about parenting i write about race i write about reality tv you know so it's it's pop culture it's humor it's um, think pieces and definitely adoption plays a part because it's a big part of my life so cool do you miss being a therapist I don't. I really okay. don't. I have to say, I'm introverted, so okay. I like having a more introverted job now. Yeah, it's it fits awesome. me. Yeah, it's awesome. Really cool. Okay, so part of what I would want to get to is the your adoption story. Yeah. What was your? How many your, of your four kids? Do you have any bio kids, or are they all adopted? I have two bio kids and two adopted. Which kids. came first? Uh, my oldest, um, who was 11. He was adopted from the foster care system. So he was our first child. Wow. We adopted our first child. Awesome. And why did you decide to adopt your first child? You know, I really had a heart for adoption since I was little. I mean, I remember in high school reading an article in Time Magazine about the orphan crisis in Romania at the oh, time. Oh, wow. yeah. And reading about um, the effects of institutionalization mm-hmm. and some of the, you know, both m- mental and cognitive issues that children will face if they're never raised by a family. And I just remember thinking, this is just the worst, like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. This is Mm. the most devastating thing I've ever heard of. Like, how could we as a society not make sure all these kids have a home? And so. And did you have that thought? Like, why didn't anyone tell me this? Yeah. Like, or that feeling. Like, why doesn't, why isn't this more widespread or why wouldn't everyone have adopted a child? Right. This is true. And, and I grew up in a culture. I mean, my mom, while she never formally adopted anyone, we had other kids living with us um, growing up all the time, you wow. know, and, and Christmases, you know, people coming back. You just had so that open house. You had an open home. Where did you, you grow up? Florida. Awesome. What part of Florida? Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. The yeah. other Orange County. The other Orange County. The other Disney. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I just like to center my world around Disney. No, just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> You're um, a fan. Yeah, not really. Well, I don't know. it's fine with kids. I can't stand Disneyland. I hope that isn't no one unsubscribes from this podcast. But I just parenthetically, <sighs> I just can't stand it. It's too much work. My daughter loves it, and I love her loving a thing. Yeah. But if I can like get, not be there ever again, yeah. that would be really great. And I like love Disney movies, and I sing the songs with yeah. my daughter, and we watch yeah. Frozen and six times a week. Sure. I just there's something about the experience of Disneyland. It feels like too much work. Well, Jim Gaffigan does a really funny bit on it where he says it's like being at the DMV in the hot sun. And that's it. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's like you're waiting in line. Uh, yeah. Like the waiting, in, there's something about waiting in line that yeah. just feels like a waste of and, and life. And it's super crowded. No, yeah. I no, it's you. crazy. I hear you. It's yeah. crazy. Okay. So you, you made that decision early on, it sounds like. I mean, you were a teenager when you. Yeah. I just really always thought I would adopt. Wow. I really did. And so even when, you know, I was dating my husband, kind of like full disclosure, you know, we're if we adopting. get married, this is kind of what you're signing up <laughs> yeah. for. I hear that sometimes, but the people almost give like a warning, like just so yeah. you know, this is what, what we're planning on. Yeah. And he was game. Um, but you know, so when it came time, we, we were married a long time before we had kids. We were married about 10 years. We just, we wanted to travel and just kind of yep. have our fun. And I think I had a sense of like, kids are a big deal. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kids will change everything, which they do. Um, so when we finally decided to have kids, um, we were, we were split. I really wanted to adopt first. And he was like, well, you know, let's try to get pregnant and see how that goes. And so we tried to get pregnant. We had some issues with miscarriage mm. and I was like, you know what? I'm over this. <laughs> like, yeah, right. This is, this is not super important to me. Sure. And I want to adopt. So let's go that route. 
And so that was a pretty quick transition. Okay. You know, we didn't do any fertility or any, you know, yeah. kind of stuff like that. Um, because it was, just, it wasn't for me a second choice. It was like, let's just do this other avenue. So we um, decided to adopt from the foster care system. Why'd you make that choice? I really felt strongly that I wanted to adopt a child who was waiting for a family. Because mm. I was aware that, you know, there are many, many couples, particularly people who struggle with infertility, who are sort of lining up and waiting for those healthy newborns. Mm -hmm. And I knew there was a queue, you know. Right. I knew that there was a line. And I felt like I don't want to stand in a line. I, I want to. Well, just like Disney. Exactly. Don't like just the lines. Just like Disney. Yeah. But, I mean, for me, it was more... You know, less about like I want this now, and more about like I want a child who who's waiting. Like I right. want to provide Absolutely. a home for a kid who's waiting. Yep, the, with the more urgent need as yes. opposed to the we might wait three years or. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't have strong feelings about getting a newborn. Mm -hmm. um, I was really open. I was open age. I was open, you know, to any race, and and I just knew there were so many foster kids waiting. Yeah, so many. So um, we went that route, and we were open to. We were actually, it's funny, we were open to up to three kids. Wow. Up to age seven. Wow. And so we kind of, I kind of thought, you know, we'd be matched with some older kids, maybe a sibling group, and then the first phone call we got was for Japta, who was six months at the time. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So. Awesome. And you brought him home. What was that like? It was it was surreal. It was surreal. You know, Jafta was his name. Uh, no, you named him Jafta. We named him Jafta. Okay, what was his yes. name? Yes, what were they calling him in his well, foster home? Well, I'm not going to reveal that because okay. it's he really doesn't like it. Oh, okay, it's funny because I was always the person who's like, you should just keep a child's birth name. And then when right. they told us his name, I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And philosophies we, are only as strong as when they actually and hit. He and I, he's he's very glad that I changed his name good we've, we've Jafta where'd you get the name length. um you know we used to do mission trips to Zimbabwe and okay. uh, there was um a pastor there who had a son named Jafta and that we really clicked with and I just thought that's a cool name that like, is that's cool. a strong what does it mean um it's a city it's a city in South Africa oh cool yeah amazing yeah amazing so you brought him home yeah and he how did he relate to your family? How did that process go? Well, yeah, he was our first kid. So, you know, it's just the three of us. I mean, the first day he looked stunned Okay. pretty much the whole day. And like he was he, sitting up. I mean, that is, that is yeah, super unique, months. right? To be, yeah. to go from your first child at six months old. Yeah. You didn't deal with breastfeeding and nope. healing and no sleep training and four Hormones. weeks of this. And yeah, nope. the whole meltdown thing. I have to tell you, it's so, this is embarrassing to say, but I, you know, he came home at six months. He already slept through the night. Oh, he wow. was bottle feeding. He, you know, he could, you know, it's, I think six months is like the perfect baby age because oh, okay. they smile, they're responsive. Right, totally. Um, and so, you know, he comes home to us and he sleeps through the night and he's just super easy. And I'm like, why does everybody make such a big deal? Like, this <laughs> yeah. is so easy. You're, like, like, you're judging all your friends complaining totally. like, lightweights. What's wrong like, with these people? Having a baby is so easy. We just took him everywhere. You know, right. he was past that like dolphin cry stage where they just cry all the time. For like, no reason. My daughter yeah. right now, she's, even though she's almost 18 months, cries for no reason. Yeah. 60% of the Well, and he was hours. a happy baby. Nice. So he was stunned for about 24 hours and then it was just like, all of a sudden his personality emerged and he realized like, I'm here and... I'm just going to be myself. It's awesome. 
So, yeah, and then I ended up going on to have a biological child and ate crow about, like, <laughs> how I thought it was so Did easy. you go back to anyone and just say, hey, just FYI, <laughs> I judged you, and now I've decided I think I've told you're most a warrior. of my friends okay. that story. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So you, so what was the order? By, you adopted from? So we adopted Jafta from U.S. Foster Care. Okay. He was in our care, though. Um, he came to us at six months. He was our foster child for three years. Oh, wow. So we. So um, he didn't, he wasn't permanently your child no not until he was three and a half wow why was that was that because of the process or was that because of yeah it was because of I mean if I'm being honest mostly incompetence on the on the part of DCFS they um, just made some massive mistakes in um, in paperwork and you're probably the only person though that has any complaints oh sure no everyone is super smooth (laughs) for everyone yeah Yeah. the process sucks those people who decide to work there though are the most incredible human beings. They are. And absolutely. they chose that the process is just so Well, and they're overworked. I mean, backwards. they're they're completely overworked For sure. and their and their caseloads, especially in Los Angeles, you yeah. know, in um, you know, East LA, their caseloads are um, they're overworked and underpaid and yep. and things fall through the cracks. So, he sh- you know, his adoption should have finalized at about 6 months um, you know, into it the process and and um it ended up taking three years. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that was how long it took Yeah. to get it to go through. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. At any moment, would could they have come through and said, hey, Jafta is now being moved to another family, or was that um, not That was likely? very unlikely because, I mean, it hit, you know, reunification services were terminated for him um, in terms of birth family okay. right at birth okay. um, due to some other, you know, previous stuff. Um, and you know, they don't want to move a kid from from a home and we were in an adoptive placement. He had waited to find a family that was an adoptive placement for several months. Mm. So, you know, what's astounding to me is he's, he's a healthy, you know, infant. I mean, he's a baby, um, but because he was black, he was considered hard to place. Oh, wow. And he was hard to place. And so they didn't want to take him out of our home because, Mm. you know, they knew we were in it for the long haul. Yeah, right. That's amazing. That would be, you know, kind so of against procedure. Good. So Jafta and uh-huh. then. So um, before Jafta's adoption was finalized, about a year and a half. Well, I find out I was pregnant about a year after Jafta. Oh, wow. No, less than a year. About six months after he came home. Wow. So that was kind of a surprise. So, That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, we had a biological child sort of in that waiting period, waiting oh, for okay. Jafta to finalize, which was excruciating then, too, because, you know, we really – you know, we have this new child in the family who, for her, this is her brother. Yeah, and right. And to think, like, you know, he's not finalized. Like, he's not adopted yet. Yeah, right. Um, you know, that that we could lose him and that she could lose him. It mm-hmm. was it was difficult. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. And then you had a little boy, a little girl? So then, yeah, she that was a, our daughter, India. Um, okay. She's nine now. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, right around that time, actually, what's funny is, Kind of concurrently, while I was pregnant, I um, started looking into adopting our next child because I really felt strongly because we just like birthed this like white biological child that looks like a mini me mm-hmm. that I wanted Jafta to have a black sibling. Oh, like cool. I really didn't like this situation where odd man out type. Yeah, because yeah. I always thought we would. I thought we'd adopt a sibling set, and that's just not how. It's not mm. who we were matched with. So. I just really felt uncomfortable mm. having this like single black child with everyone else, mm. you know, the family being really Especially homogenous. in Orange County, not to yeah. pick on Orange County because I love people from Orange County, yeah. but it's a very homogenous 
yes. place. It's either a lot of blonde white people or it's very, you know, sectored out. It's very like yes subsequently yeah i mean the community we live in is actually um has a very high population of mexican americans Mm. but um there's not a ton of black people in orange county so yeah i felt really strongly so even as i was pregnant i started doing research and because that process of adopting from foster care was so difficult for us um three and a half years i mean i know i did i didn't want to do it again i just felt like i didn't have the stomach for you know, taking in a child and loving a child and wondering every night as I'm singing to them if, you know, I'll be their mom forever or yeah, if, right. you know, and not that I would discourage other people from doing it, but I felt like, okay, we, we did that once and, and I don't think I can do it again. Yep. Um, so, and, and I didn't feel like I wanted to introduce them to a sibling who could, you know, n- you know, end right. up not being a sibling. Right. So I started looking into an international adoption. Um, while I was pregnant and started that process shortly after she was born. It's hmm. awesome. And do you, what do you, how, how did you decide, like, did you go for countries where there's black people or did you Google adopting a black baby? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just, yeah. like how do you choose? Cause you had yeah. a very specific and amazing reason for uh-huh. wanting an African child in yes. your world. How did you go about that? Did you just kind of select the cities or the countries and, yeah, absolutely. I knew that I wanted to adopt another black child. I right. mean, yeah, bottom line, I wanted him to have a racially matched sibling. So then I looked at all of the countries, you know, that have an adoption program um, and really settled on Haiti because, again, it was that, that question of the line. And I, I wanted to adopt a child from a country where kids were waiting. Yeah, right. And I understood that kids in Haiti were waiting. Well, now, a big reason they were waiting is because the adoption process from Haiti is so fraught. And yeah, it's, right. it's a very long process. And a lot of people and look at that. And broken and, sh- and Very broken. And, and a lot yeah. of people look at that and go, you know, I don't want to deal with that. I'll go to Ethiopia where things are a little, right. you know, uh, where things work a little better. Um, and so I just felt like, you know what, we, we want to adopt the kids that are hard to place and, cool. you know. Um, Haiti at the time. I mean, it's, it's actually very different now, but at the time, not a lot of people were adopting from Haiti. So I knew there were lots of waiting kids. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And then what brought you to Haiti? I mean, you got matched with your child. Yeah, actually, uh, it was an interesting process. I had been to Haiti when I was 16. I had a really good friend who lived there. Um, and so I'd already been to the country and really like had an affinity for the country. Mm. So my husband and I, when India was six months old. We went down to Haiti um, just to kind of, we, we really wanted to visit a couple of the orphanages because the, the adoption process in Haiti is really unique where the orphanage sort of oversees the adoption process. Oh, wow. This has changed some since, but at the time. And so I really wanted to visit the orphanages and like get an eyeball on it because the ethics were really important to me. Totally. So I wanted to make sure I felt really comfortable with the orphanage that this wasn't like a shady deal where kids are living in birth families and then once they paid a thousand dollars for this family. Yeah, like I really wanted to see with my own eyes. That's good. I'm glad. And meet and interview these directors and and feel really comfortable. And so we had this schedule. We were going to visit four different orphanages and we visited the first one that I had heard really good things about and we didn't visit any others because um, Mm. it was Heartline Haiti who um, now I have really close personal friends that work there. Um, which is how we met, but um, their philosophy was really that they wanted parents to parent. They were not in the business of taking kids out of their homes mm. for any reason um, unless there was, you know, a really desperate situation. So I felt comfortable that they were ethical, that I wasn't taking a child who'd been, you know, 
paid for or removed or anything like that. And, and we met the kids. I mean, that was the bottom line too, is we met the kids and there were a number of, of, um, you know, kind of toddler preschool age boys waiting. And we met our son on that trip. Wow. What's his name? Um, Kembe. 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 So Kembe, here's what's funny. So I have a six month old daughter that I had just, you know, had at home and we travel down to Haiti and we meet Kembe and you bring your six month no, you left your. I'm trying month to think old. if I brought her. I did not bring her on that okay. trip. No, um, no, I left her with my family in Orlando. Okay. So then popped down there for like a day and a half mm-hmm. and came back. So we meet Kembe, and his birthday was the same day as India's. No kidding. So he was six months old, exactly the same age as her. No kidding. Yeah, kind of funny. That's amazing. Yeah. And tell me about the. Now you had a dramatic trip to Haiti. I had a lot of trips to Haiti, but the last trip. <laughs> okay. Was rather. So that dramatic. was the first yeah. trip. Yeah. That was the first trip, and I've heard folklore about this dramatic trip to Haiti. Yes. And is that when you were going to get Kembe? Is that the... No, it wasn't even. So it's funny. I, you know, the adoption process from foster care took us three years, and I thought, I don't want to go through that again. And yet then I actually went through a (laughs) three-year process to adopt Kembe. So we met Kembe. I know. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. we, We just like to do things the hard way. So I met Kembe when he was six months old. On a trip, we kind of committed to adopting him, came back and start the dossier, mm-hmm. which is this, sure. you know, mountain of paperwork you have to do. In triplicate, crossing exactly. your eyes, you know, have yeah. every form you've ever filled out be signed by a government official and notarized. And um, so we, you know, we start that process and, you know, we're told it'll take maybe 18 months and 18 months turns to 24 months, turns to three years. And so... Over the course of those three years, we're going down to Haiti as much as we can because we want to develop a relationship with him. For sure, yeah. And also because, you know, miraculously, whenever we show up in person, our paperwork seems to move forward a little bit in the process. Sort of out of sight, out of mind thing. So when you show up. Um, So we were going down there towards the end. Uh, My husband and I were kind of taking turns going down. So one would go down and then the other would stay with the kids. Okay. Oh, a little a footnote, I should add. This poor daughter is a little footnote, but I had a baby in that process. Oh, jeez. I had a third child in that process. So that's my daughter, Karis. So um, we are... India and Karis then came between your two between adoptees. Between the two, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the birth order is During the different. process. Yeah. Okay, wow. I mean, basically, I had a baby during the three-year process <laughs> of adopting twice. Wow, that, those must have been such easy years for you. Super easy. Were you I just was sort really of like a lot of lemonade up by the beach, it really sounds like. Really mentally sound at that yeah, point it sounds of my amazing. life. Yeah, no, it was a mess. So yeah, there towards the end, we're going down frequently and Karis at the time was nine months old um, that I took my last trip to visit Kembe. And because I was still nursing, I took her with me. Okay. And I had taken her on a couple previous trips. So we're just trying to go down every three months, like one or the wow. other. One will stay with the bigger kids. And it's taking a long time because of stateside or because the system in, in No, it's taking a long Haiti time because the mess. system of Haiti. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of, um, a lot of setbacks. Like one setback was um, his birth mother died during the process. Mm. So we were 18 months in and he was like almost ready to come home. But then they had to reclassify his entire... Oh, jeez. So, which meant every single piece of paper had to be redone. Because oh, he changed from, you know, he changed classification. Yeah, right. Um, so... Did any official ever try to like bribe you or try to get you to give them good things? Well, 100, 100%. Yeah. I mean, that and, ha- and so that, that was another factor is when yeah. you choose an ethical orphanage, guess what? It takes longer. Yeah, right. Because they're not going to grease the palm. And they, that's expected in Haiti. Yeah. It's expected in every government transaction, not just adoption. I know people sure. like to say, 
adoption is so corrupt and and there are aspects of it there are but in Haiti every government interaction is totally. is corrupt totally um, we got pulled over when I was in Haiti, and we just handed him a $20. There you go. He said, does anyone have cash? We handed him a right. $20 bill. He walked up, took it, and walked away. Right. It wasn't even like right. we even have a discussion right. about anything. <laughs> right. And I thought for 20 bucks, geez, that would be yeah. a better system than my yeah. court appearances. Yeah, so we were not paying bribes, and um, the result is our papers got pushed to the bottom. Wow. You know, so um, that was a factor, too. So, yeah, nine uh, nine months after my newborn was born, so this is three years into the adoption process almost to the date. I go down for a visit. It's just supposed to be a routine visit. I have my daughter with me. I'm visiting with Kembe and um, the earthquake happened. Wow. The big one. Yeah, while I was there. Jeez, with your nine month old. With my nine month old. Total and utter pandemonium. Kembe was three. So I've got a three year old and a nine month old. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and where were you in the where where were you in the house or were you outside I was, or when it's funny, did the Kembe was hit? playing outside Karis was sleeping in a stroller outside and I had just actually run into the house to grab my purse because we were going to walk over and have dinner with some friends oh, wow. at another house. And um, so I ran inside, kids are both outside and I'm running back down the stairs and suddenly, you know, I mean, it felt like a bomb was going off. Jeez. And I lived, so it was you know, a shaking one. I mean, we live in California. We live so in we California, right? So I've been through my share of earthquakes and right. I just thought, this is not an earthquake. This is too big. Oh, this wow. is too extreme. Yeah, right. I thought like, yeah, maybe like a fighter jet landed in the front yard. Or I mean, it was so loud. And it was, I mean, you know, tiles are popping up off the floor. And Jeez. It, it was crazy. And I could barely, you know, barely get down the stairs. Yeah, did the, I mean, the structure you were in, was it sound? Was that holding? Were it was sound-ish. So, you know, I'm walking down the stairs and I'm watching the walls crack. So... Once the earthquake happened, I didn't go back into that building. Okay, right. You, know, you got out, went out, got your kids. And sat outside pretty much for the rest of... And what's the scene like? Are people screaming? What's Screaming. The Everyone's screaming. People have run out of their homes in towels. I mean, everyone is outside screaming. Um, I was in a, in a Western-built neighborhood, meaning the, the homes were more what we're accustomed to here. Okay. They were not homemade homes. You know, right. someone had built the homes with post and beam. Um, And so there wasn't a lot of death in that particular neighborhood. Um, Most of the houses were like the ones I was staying in where there was some cracks or fences fell down, but they didn't collapse in on people. And so... um, Did you have any thought of the scale of that earthquake? No. When it happened? Like, did that sense of... Did you go... I'm now sitting in ground zero or what is going to be ground zero for I the next... I didn't at the time. I'll tell you the moment that I did was um, it, it took a while because, you know, there's not... I mean, there was no communication at that right. point. So I walked over to a friend's house. People are coming by their... They're missionaries. People okay. are coming by their house and saying they're just laying out dead bodies in the street. Oh, my gosh. And I... Th- I really, at that time, thought to myself, I just think they're maybe they're exaggerating. Yeah, right. Like you just can't even process yeah, it like, in your mind. You're yeah. just like, that can't be happening. And then we took a walk and um, started to see some stuff, you know. Wow. But even then, and then, because I have the two kids with me, when I started realizing how bad it was, then I kind of hunkered down, like, on their property, like, okay, we're going to be here. Right. Like, you know, things, Haiti's so volatile. Sure. I mean, the, the, and the, if that happened in any place in the world, your first thought is looting is the next move. Uh-huh. Like it just, the, whenever there's a disaster, they said violence is the thing that follows. It's not a, 
Well, so, desperation is what follows. And yeah. then the behaviors that come with desperation. Totally. Yeah. So, and what's funny is my first trip to Haiti when I was 16, I was there um, during the political coup. Oh, no where, You know, they upset the president and I had to go into hiding. Nice. So I, I know so that. So is, uh, is Haiti paying you to not come to, <laughs> I know, are they right? like, like <laughs> I know. You're so on a watch know, list and they're I like, don't how, let her get here. Yeah. So I know how volatile Haiti can be. Okay. And I've been there during protests other times. And so I'm, you know, I'm aware. And so we kind of hunker down. And then at one point, we went for another walk, and someone had rigged a TV up. No one wanted to be inside because wow. these aftershocks kept coming. I mean, that's the crazy Jeez. thing is everyone thinks of it as one earthquake, but it was like it was like seven earthquakes Jeez. over the course of several days because um, the aftershocks were still bigger than any earthquake I'd ever been in right, you know, totally. or that most people would ever experience in their life. So no one wants to be inside. So people are like camped out in their front yards, and someone has rigged a TV up. And pulled it out into their front yard. And we walk by and I see that Anderson Cooper's on TV and he's in Haiti. No kidding. And that was sort of like the, like, okay. this just got real moment. Yeah, like, right. Anderson Cooper's Anderson here. Anderson Cooper's in like, town? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're, like, what I'm in right now is on CNN. Yeah, right. 24 now, hours. your husband, CNN. Mark, yeah. is back in Orange County yeah. watching yes. Anderson Cooper uh-huh. in... <laughs> uh-huh. Get, get, getting on a private jet to Haiti. Yes. Right away. Or a military yeah, transport or whatever. There. Yeah, and are you able to contact him? Is he losing his mind? Not much. Um, it was, there was little snippets of time. I mean, fortunately, right when it happened, my cell phone worked. Oh, okay. And then, and then it went dead for the rest of the time I was there. So I was able to get a phone call out to him and left him a message. He was in session, which is probably best because the first he heard of the earthquake was me saying, I'm okay. Oh, God. He it. never right. had that moment of like, I can't get a hold of her right. for days. But yeah. then it was more of a matter of like, how will I get home and when? Because my, you know, they canceled all the flights. They canceled right. the flights for months. Right. So it was like trying to figure out how I can get out of the country. And he's trying to see if he can like bus me to the DR. Yeah, right. Or and something. And we trying to text Anderson Cooper and I'm like, <laughs> right. hey man, I'm here too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Anderson, help me out. No. Um, so it, what ended up happening is I went to the embassy, which is what most Americans okay. did. And they, they um, flew us out on military jets that were coming in with supplies. And then they're flying out with American Nice. How citizens. long did that last? Um, I think I was stuck there for four or five days. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But then I had to leave Kembe there because his adoption wasn't final. No way. So I had to leave him, which was the plan always. Okay, right. But, but at that moment, you're in like... in a devastated country. I mean, that was yeah. a very different departure than what I planned. Right. Yeah. So um, I came home and his adoption was almost final. I mean, we're talking like final signature we're waiting on. Right. I think it, you know, I think it was actually legally done and we were just waiting for a passport at that point. Okay. And so, you know, just worked with some, um, some representatives from here in the U S and from Haiti to say like, Hey, these kids that are in this situation where they're like, their adoption is basically legally done. Can we right. expedite this? Can we get totally. them out of the country? Right. And so that did end up happening. Awesome. So a week later he came home. Wow, so yeah, amazing. it was, a much more dramatic homecoming <laughs> than we expected. Wow. And way you, so you got a three and a half year foster care process and then a three year and, and three an earthquake. Year. And mm-hmm. you and yes. Anderson Cooper spent five days together yes. Yes. in Haiti. That's, right. that's a lot. That's it for this episode of the adopttogether.org podcast. Check us out online at adopttogether.org and check us on Facebook and social media at at Adopt Together on Instagram. I'm Hank. I'm at Hank on Instagram. We'd love to interact with you, love to hear from you, and love to hear what you thought of this. Hope you're great, and we'll see you next time.